0: and welcome inside the Ellis studio you are listening to a new episode of leaning toward wisdom the podcast modern tales of an ancient pursuit my name is randy kentrell i'm your host here coming to you from dallas fort worth texas mr twain wrote to get the full value of joy you must have someone to divide it with let's talk about marriage Let me begin by saying I do not profess to be an expert. I am not holding myself up as some bastion of uh, nobility or expert behavior. I have been married going on 46 years all to the same woman. I think that's an important factor. And today's show was prompted in part by a number of life instances where I have encountered people, especially older people, who after sometimes a few decades of being married, suddenly get divorced. And then I'd go down these rabbit holes late at night, you know, and I'm reading about the gray divorce rate, that is, older folks like myself, who after some decades, one or both just kind of get tired of the situation and decide, yeah, we're we're out of here. I'm going to begin going back to youth and youthful marriage. And while that may or may not be typical, I realize that people It seems to me, I haven't studied this, but it seems to me that people are marrying at an older age, at a more mature age, than maybe we once did. Rhonda and I began to date the summer that we both turned 18, and about two and a half years later, we were saying our vows. So we were six months shy of being 21 that that didn't seem all that abnormal back in nineteen seventy eight when we got married, but that would seem really young today I mean it would even seem young it would even seem young to me, so people are it seems to me that people are waiting a little bit longer i'm I'm not throwing rocks at that I'm just making a casual observation here. And the only reason that that context matters is because I recall when we got married, younger couples, ourselves included, you go into this thing, you've got some ideas, but there's an awful lot of things that you have no idea. And then as I got older, especially as I got into my 40s and I observed people maybe in their 20s or early 30s beginning to get married. And I would encounter a lot of folks, and mostly brides, and that was just my experience. I'm not singling out brides over husbands. But mostly the brides would lament how hard it was, especially the first year or so of marriage, how difficult it was, and that it shouldn't be that hard. And I began to look at that anecdotally, and I began to think about it, and I began to question these folks and there was an expectation going in that it wouldn't be hard there was an expectation going in that love would cure everything would solve all the problems and that these things that we're struggling with we just shouldn't have to be struggling with this and it was about the same time because I was beginning to kind of hit my stride professionally that is I was I was making as much money as I'd ever made And as we go through these career curves that we all go through, and as we reach some peak, some zenith, we really are gaining momentum in our career and in our income generation. Usually our lifestyles somewhat reflect that. For instance, we were living in, as nice a house or the nicest house we had ever lived in. We were living in a neighborhood that was the nicest neighborhood that we had ever lived in. Now, when we first got married, we were in married student housing at LSU. And we've lived in some places that we've been very fortunate. I've enjoyed the places that we've lived, but we didn't always live in that, you know, that nice older established tree lined street uh, with nice homes and in a nice school district it wasn't always that way, and I began to observe folks talking about their marriage and how it shouldn't be this hard and at the same time, I was hearing I was hearing them talk about where they lived and how they wanted they wanted to live like where their parents lived they wanted to live like where. We live or in some place like that. And I have spent hours and hours in sofa conversations trying to encourage people as well as educate and train people that it's just not how life is. And I would say I was in, I was between 40 and 45 when it dawned on me that. That generation that was just behind me, again, those people in their twenties and up to early thirties, they just had an expectation. It seemed to me that I didn't have, that my wife didn't have. I mean, we we started out, we had every expectation that uh, financially we might <laughs> we might find some challenges uh, that we weren't going to be able to just spend freely, that we were going to have to really budget and we were going to have to really think about purchases, that we weren't going to be able to live in, you know, the nice neighborhood with a nice house and a nice garage and two cars in the garage. And we, that just wasn't, and I don't think that we were abnormal. Maybe we were, but I really don't think so because our peers, our friends they kind of had the same expectation that we had yes there were exceptions yes there were people that came from more well to do families and perhaps the family gave them a leg up and you know maybe they had some trust fund maybe they had some bank account that the rest of us didn't have but they were they were all the outliers and so i got to thinking back when i was a teenager and i was working and most everybody i knew was working. Most everybody I knew had a job. And as we got older and we then had kids and our kids worked, but we realized, okay, there's an awful lot of kids that don't work. I'm an advocate of that, by the way. I'm an advocate of teenagers having jobs I'm an advocate of teenagers learning the value of work and having a job, being responsible, making a living. And I'm also a real advocate of just trying some things out so that they can better figure out what it is they want to do and where they want to go and all that. But all that to say I understand there's a difference in the generations and I'm not making a judgment. Well, we're better every generation – experiences gaps with the ones that are ahead of them. And my generation is no different. We felt the same way about the older heads, and now the younger heads feel the same way about us. And when they get to be our age, they're going to feel, about, they're going to feel the same way about the ones coming up behind them. It's just the way it goes. For me, the focus was expectation. The focus was why do we expect what we expect? Why is it that the young bride expects that the first year of marriage will just go swimmingly, that there won't be any challenges, there won't be any difficulties? Why is it that a young couple may have the expectation that, well, we ought to be able to, to buy a house just like the one that our parents currently have, not realizing that, okay, your parents may have worked 30 years to get to the house that they're currently in. Those expectations... And how can we how can we manage those expectations? And I guess for some people the question is, can we? I I, I don't question that. I, I don't have any I don't have any doubt at all that the expectation can be managed. Now I realize some people don't want to. And I guess I get it, you know. Delusion's fun until it's not. So I start I start hearing about, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? No, what? Oh, yeah, he left her. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? No, what? Well, she left him. And you're like, what? how long have they been married? 32 years? And you're like, 30, 32 years? Now, the snarky side of me wants to think, well, I mean, couldn't you have figured that out sooner? <laughs> Divorce rates are on the rise. There have been countless articles that I have poured through uh, to try to figure out, okay, wh- why why is this happening? I still think in large part there's plenty of factors that could be considered, but I still think that it's expectation and it's a lack of commitment and it's an unwillingness to divide and share. To get the full value of joy, you must have someone to divide it with, and I would say to get the full value of commitment, you have to have somebody to divide it with. Now, we can talk about sharing, and usually when we think about dividing, we think, well, in terms of a divorce, for instance, well, we're going to divide the wealth, but we can divide a lot of things, and for successful marriage, we need to divide Some things. It doesn't mean that we're disunited in it. Quite the opposite. There are a number of experts who put forth certain things that they think are predictors for a marriage not working out. And I guess all that's great and wonderful if you study that stuff and if you believe it and if you do that before you get married. Uh, for those that are married, it may not do much good. Or for others that are married and they're looking for a way out and they're like, well, see here, okay, here, here's, here's here's validation and proof. We should have never done this. Well, you should have thought that through before. Again, I don't claim to be some expert on relationships and... I can read increasingly many people who put themselves out there as relationship experts. And sometimes I scratch my head and I'm thinking, okay, really? I'm especially, I'm especially fascinated. I'm especially fascinated with the 24 year old who's a relationship expert. I'm sorry. I, I just have a problem with that and it doesn't have to do with my age. It has to problem do with their age. Um, divorce is in many cases imminent because people believe it's a door that they can open and escape and maybe they're, they're escaping from something. Maybe they're escaping to something, but it's rather fascinating to me to understand that I am, I am seeing what experts are calling the gray divorces. It makes perfect sense in one regard, because as couples reach that age where they're empty nesters, the kids have left home, the kids have gone on to college, maybe married and got families of their own. And now you are back as a couple, just as you once were when you first started, except over those intervening years between the time that you said I do and the time that you're an empty nester, you've grown apart. You haven't grown together you haven't been dividing the joy you haven't been sharing the joy you haven't been dividing your life you haven't been sharing your life now experts say if we can believe them that the first 2 years those are that's when it's more likely that divorces is, is going to happen and then it could be between years 5 and 8 So the first two years and then between the years five and eight. And statistically, couples get divorced when they're around 30 years old. 60% of divorces happen between the ages of 25 and 39. Now, you might think, well, the midlife crisis and all that, I mean, is that happening between 25 and 39? I wouldn't think so, but again, I'm relying on the people that calculate these things, and so I I kept reading, I kept thinking about this, and, and I'm intently focused on marriage and the relationship between a husband and a wife, because I think so much of societal benefit comes from a strong home, and who among us can challenge the fact that our homes just aren't strong. They're not nearly as strong as they could be or should be. And we as a society are paying a stiff price for that. And so you start looking at the problems, and you start looking at the situations, and you start looking at the expectations, and I start thinking about my grandkids who will one day fall in love and find themselves married, and I wonder what their expectations are going to be. I mean, these are kids that are a number of decades behind those people that I observed when I was in my 40s, which was 20 years ago plus, who had an expectation that was completely unreasonable. And I wonder how how reasonable or unreasonable will the expectations of my grandkids be. Oldest is 16. Youngest is 8. I have no way of knowing, and I may not live long enough to find out. But it's interesting to me that there are some things that kind of bubble up to the surface that are reasons why couples get divorced. Now, for me, the elephant in the room, and it's because I'm coming from a position of faith, uh, infidelity. Infidelity stands to reason. But I know couples who have stayed together when infidelity disrupted their union and they were able to work it out. Was it easy? Absolutely not. But both felt it was worth the effort. The unfaithful spouse was terribly repentant and wanted to work things out. Their spouse also wanted to work things out. It was their common willingness, and they found the ability to do it. I've never been subject to that. So I can't speak to it from a personal perspective. You know, we can only kind of, with our imagination, put ourselves in those positions and wonder, could, could you get over that? Could you get past that? Some can. Some can't. But there's other reasons for divorce. Conflict. Conflict. Do you know couples that argue about everything? they are just constantly bickering and at each other i mean it doesn't matter big small just they're just at it all the time yeah we i mean we've all seen people like this couples like this um i'm remem- remembering an old episode of andy griffith there was a young couple and they're fighting they're throwing stuff and andy and barney once again they go out to the house and The minute they knock on the door, the couple comes to the door as though they haven't been fighting at all, and they are just friendly as they can be to Andy and Barney. They put this; they're just super friendly. They just put this front up. You would think, but it's not a front. It's they're genuinely nice people to everybody except each other. So Andy, thinking he's going to be the grand, you know, Grandmaster Flash here, and he's he's going to show them how this ought to be. Uh, he he's teaching them he's giving them classes and how to be nice to one another and sure enough he he imposes his will and they begin to behave nicely toward one another and they're completely miserable they take it out on everybody in town oh they're they're polite to one another but they're just nasty to everybody else in town and finally, it dawns on, Andy, that this couple, they enjoy that conflict. I, I've known couples like that. I don't propose that we go about life that way. But conflict is a really interesting thing because we are all going to have to resolve conflict with other humans, including most especially with our spouse. And it's not lost on me that we can absolutely extend compassion and understanding to a complete stranger and fail to give it to this person on whose finger we put a ring. I can't fully explain that other than I just happen to know that my wife may not always see me at my best, but she absolutely positively is going to see me at my worst. And the reason for that, I believe, is because of safety. She's a safe person for me, so I know I can I can let my hair down. Maybe I can vent. Maybe I can, you know, so I can behave. I'm not saying I should now, but I can behave poorly because she's safe for me in that she won't hold it against me. Well, she won't hold it against me forever, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> it's It's not a license to behave poorly, so don't misunderstand me but we're going to have conflict and how we choose to deal with that conflict is strictly up to us. For me, I am I am so intent on owning everything, lock stock and smoke and barrel, which at some level I realize is is a bit of arrogance cuz I'm not responsible for everything, but I'm going to assume responsibility for it all. And so if there's conflict, I'm going to be looking in the mirror and trying to figure out, okay, I, I messed this up. This is on me. Now, that isn't to say that she's perfect and I'm completely imperfect. The truth of the matter is we're both pretty completely imperfect. But it doesn't diminish my love for her. I'm hopeful that it doesn't diminish her love for me. And when there's conflict, again, let's go back to the Twain quote. Okay, well, let's divide this and conquer it. Commitment. You know, typically the young man he gets the bad rap for. Well, he just he he won't make the commitment. You know, she wants she wants the ring on her finger. She wants to set a date, and he just has not asked the question yet. And he's got commitment issues. Well, it, that could be. But we're talking now about a couple that's already done this, and now what commitment do they have to see it through? So we put a finger, a ring on each other's finger, and now at the first sign of trouble, we want to hit the eject button. And what kind of commitment is that? Our ability to cherish and honor each other should preclude our ability or our desire to ignore one another. Our commitment to one another should be a stronger commitment than our commitment to our iPhone. It should be a stronger commitment to one another than it is to our social media accounts. It should be a stronger commitment than to our hobbies. It just should. I'm not saying that it is because I know it's not. And I think increasingly that is bubbling to the surface about an awful lot of relationships because over time what happens is it... It causes couples to grow apart. It causes people to divide and to separate, not to divide the commitment toward each other and the marriage so that they can both together do the heavy lifting. But rather you go your way, I'll go my way, and we'll just coexist. And coexistence does not equal a deep, meaningful relationship, especially in a marriage. There are intimacy issues. There are emotional intimacy issues, there are physical intimacy issues, and this is the connection that we have with our husband, with our wife. And yes, it's hugging, it's kissing, it's holding one another. Yes, it's sexual activity between a husband and a wife in marriage, which according to the scripture is the only suitable, lawful, according to God, lawful place for it. Now, Guys get bad raps, but it's interesting to me when you look at some of the data, the number of women who file for divorce is, I don't have the number right here in front of me, but it's uh, it's an insanely high number and growing. And the infidelity among women can be just as strong as the infidelity among men. I can only speak from a, a, a male perspective because... I am a man, and I was the young guy who could only date one girl. I had buddies and I, you know they could just date somebody different all the time, and i I, I could never do that. It was just you know I'm just, it just didn't it just didn't feel right. I wasn't judging them, but it just it didn't suit me at all. Rhonda and I began to date the summer of 1975, and I never dated anybody else after that. just just haven't. Uh, intimacy issues that I would hear about from other other couples other friends and it was like well there's a lot more it it always seemed to me there was just a lot more to it than just you know than just sex i mean there was just there was this connection thing there was just there was neglect there was there was dissatisfaction. There was conflict. There was just you—you you could just see the connection. The connection's just not right. You know, where you're kind of focused on on the outcome, and you're less focused on why. Why do we? Ha- why is this the outcome? Well, this is the outcome because you know if you're at each other all the time, and she doesn't respect you. And you don't really exhibit love toward her. Big shock! Big shock that there are intimacy issues. For me, as a guy, the emotional intimacy, the emotional connection, the vulnerability is a huge, 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 huge thing. Um, you know, I, my personality is such. I, I I want to I want to have a more deep relationship with the folks that I want a relationship with or I don't want a relationship at all. It's just that's just how it rolls. So when it comes to my wife, obviously, I want the deepest of relationships with her. This is someone that I want to know as well as I can know. I want her to know me as well as she can. Um, And at the same time, I want to make sure that I'm trying to be for her what she needs. I, I have no problem thinking about, in fact, I do think about it every day, thinking about what I need to do and what I need to be in order to provide her whatever safety, whatever behaviors, whatever actions she needs that will best help her. And that has been... That's been a a, a lifelong activity. It's been a lifelong activity of trying to, well, I started to say second guess, but that sounds wrong, uh, to second guess what what she needs. I'm way more vocal. I'm way more verbal. I'm way more emotional than she is. So there's just a difference in the way that we're wired. And so trying to, to figure that out, I'm not gonna lie, has been somewhat challenging for me at times. But I've been committed to it and am committed to it. And it's it's not through any fault of hers or mine. It just is what it is. It's just again, it's the Twain quote. It's two people who are we're gonna divide this. We're gonna divide this and we're gonna we're gonna work together to lift this up. Communication, well that that nearly tops most people's list when it comes to relationship marriage breakers. It it still remains one of the leading causes of divorce. And as a result, it makes it something that's incredibly important for marriages to work on. I would dare, I would dare to venture that many, if not most marriages, fail to work on it. And that's strictly anecdotal. But I hear about it all the time. But I will ask... And what are you doing about it? And I couldn't tell you the last time anybody gave me an answer. I, I usually don't get an answer. Or or you'll get some platitude. Well, you know, we're we're trying to sit down and we're trying to ask each other about our day. You know, it's just so surface. It's such surface stuff. I mean, we really think, I mean, I'm not saying it's not a start. Don't get me wrong. If you're used to coming in the door and y'all don't talk to each other and now you're going to sit down and at least ask each other about your day, that's a step in the right direction. But if we think, well, that, that's going to cure the communication else, Man, don't. That's, that's an unreasonable expectation. For some other people, there are trust issues. She can't trust anything he says because he's lied to her countless times. Well, that's a communication issue. Yeah, it's an honesty-trust issue, but the fact that his communication is not faithful, it's just farcical, he's lying, okay, well, there's no point in him talking because if his lips are moving, she's not believing anything he says. You know, I don't know, there have got to be just countless ways that communication is manifested in our marriages and reflects some of the problems that we have. Uh, I think, based on my experience, that much of it has to do with understanding. And I think so many of us as humans, we just, we just, we aren't that interested in understanding the other person. And at the same time, we so enormously crave being understood. And it's, it's a real strange phenomenon, isn't it? I dare say you desperately want to be understood, especially by your spouse. And I would go ahead and make a venture that you are infinitely more interested in being understood than you are in understanding them. Huh. It's Come on, it's how it rolls because at the at the end of the line you and I both know the thing that breaks up marriages selfishness we make it about us as a person we make it about me we don't make it about us as a couple now little doubt any and all of these kind of problems that come up and destroy a marriage the sooner that we jump on these things well the sooner that we recognize them the better they are like cancer if we don't catch them early it can be too late there can be issues of jealousy and envy and inequality where you know increasingly i have seen a number of of marriages where she makes more money than he does and he has a real hard time with that and that 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 imbalance in income generation is problematic. And sometimes I've seen it the other way. I've seen it where, yes, she makes more money than him, and she resents it. And it can rub either way. And it can rub either way when it comes to just responsibilities around the house. It can come around to responsibilities in, in the kids. I mean, it's, there's a lot. And increasingly, and it was beginning to happen during the early years of our marriage, not in our marriage, but just in culture in general, of the, you know, the whole super mom thing. You can have a career. You can be a mom. You can have your kids, and you can still, you can have it all. You can just have it all. And the truth of the matter is, no, you can't. None of us can. It's not because you're a female that you can't have it all, but men can't have it all either. None of us can have it all. We're going to have to pay a price, and it really comes down to is the marriage, is it something that we want to pay the price to have? Do we want to pay the price to have a marriage, and do we want to have the price to to have a great marriage? And if you do, you can. You just can. Now, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about abuse because sometimes there is abuse. Sometimes, you know, we've mentioned infidelity, but there can also be abusive relationships. And yes, they can rub both ways. It's not all one-sided. It's not always the male who is perpetrating the abuse on the female. There can be plenty of women who abuse their husbands, and it can be all kinds of abuse that can happen. Now, surveys have indicated that about 24% of divorces can be caused by some type of physical emotional sexual some some type of abuse can just that's it that's it it's, it's over and it could be it could even be financial abuse that's increasingly coming into play with one partner who is trying their best to live within a budget and the other partners just caution to the wind and you know whether we want to Deem all that abuse or not. Culture does. Society does. And is there an answer to these things? Yeah. I mean, poor behavior on the part of one spouse is problematic. Poor behavior on both parts is super problematic. The answer, I mean, here's the conclusion of it all. Don't be problematic. Don't be problematic. Be a contributor to having a great marriage you got to do your part. Yes, your partner has to do her part, his part. To get the full value of joy, you must have someone to divide it with. And I'll tell you, man, how empty would life be if we didn't have somebody to divide it with? Well, speaking only for myself, ridiculously empty. That's how empty it would be. Cannot imagine it. But when you've been married as long as we have, yeah, it's a point of pride. I'm proud of the fact that we've been married as long as we've been married. I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic, and I'm prayerful that we'll have many more years together. I mean, here we are, we're winding down, we're entering... Well, we've kind of been in the encore part of our life, but we're, we're, we're entering it hard now. I mean, Social Security and the whole bit, and Medicare. I mean, welcome to old age, kids. Here we are. There's something incredibly... There's just something incredibly nice... And potentially sweet about staring at a sunset, holding the hand of somebody that you love, as you realize that you're staring at this sunset together, and it is the sunset of your life. And I look back with sober reflection and think my life would have been so different, so, so different. Had I not met this girl from Fort Worth, Texas and asked her out and fallen in love and asked her to marry me life just wouldn't have been the same and on a scale of 1 to 10 with this being a 10 well really with this being an 11 or a 12 I mean man how empty would it have been It might have just been a tad north of zero. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful. You've heard me say it before because it bears repeating. The path forward is gratitude. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for her. I'm grateful for the circumstances of life that brought us together. I'm thankful for the life that we've built. It hasn't all been perfect, we've had our moments. I've had plenty of my own but she has been subjected to those we have fought fights we have battled giants we've battled the fire breathing dragons and still we're standing but the important thing is we're still standing together and every day we're still working hard to divide it with one another because it's the path forward To joy in our marriage and our relationship. My name is Randy Cantrell. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio.